It is good to be with you at all of our locations, everybody watching online, everybody in the room here. It is so good to be with you after a little bit of a break. And uh, I tell you, it was so good. Our family got to go out and celebrate Rachel's parents' 50th wedding anniversary. How cool is that? And I just want to say, uh, pause for a second and say how grateful I am for the elder board of our church that supports and encourages us to take a little break and to prioritize our family. They care for our family so well. They give our staff accountability and encouragement and support. And I just want to say at all of our campuses, would you thank our elder board for what they do? We're so appreciative to them. But I got to tell you, who's the one that scheduled me to come up here and preach after Albert last weekend? <laughs> right? I mean, there's some people when they preach as a preacher, it fires me up. I see them preach and I'm like, it just makes me want to preach. Albert was so good last week, I thought, I don't think I ever want to preach again, okay? <laughs> And especially not the next week, man. If you weren't here, you need to go check it out. It was amazing. Albert said, yeah. You remember what he said? He said, we're not going to follow the elephant. And everybody went, ooh. He said, we're not going to follow the donkey. And everybody said, ah. He said, we're going to follow the lamb. And everybody went, amen to that. It was very, very cool. Do you remember? Yeah. You remember what else he said? He said, we need to not be known just by our convictions, but also by our compassion. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I loved it. Well, I'll tell you, the thing that I really want you to remember about Albert's talk last week is this. That Albert ran only a half marathon. Did you hear that? I heard that and I thought to myself, that's cute, that's cute, because your pastor's running a full marathon. I went 12 miles yesterday, 12 miles yesterday, and I feel every bit of it, okay? So don't watch me when I go down the steps from the stage. It's not a pretty sight. Oh my goodness. Well, Albert's talk leads well into what we're talking about today, because how many of you know that the emotion that we feel around the division in our country, the, um, the social media wars that are happening, the political uh, battles that happen, the hate and the division, the, the, it stems from something surprisingly small. I mean, you wouldn't think that so much could be influenced by something so small. Our tongue. <laughs> Our words. But if you think about a lot of the division, the hate, all the stuff that's, a lot of it will stem from the words that are said, the way things are said, the emotion that comes out in the words that we say. And so it's no surprise in Proverbs 18 21, it tells us the power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, do you believe that? I mean, I mean, it's kind of a strong statement. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Have you experienced that? See, I think most of us, most of our lives um, have been shaped by 
words that someone spoke to us in our past, at least somewhat. There are folks that are in the room today, that are watching online today, that could say, truth is, I had a mentor, I I had a teacher, I had a coach that that saw something in me and just kind of leaned in, and they spoke words of life into me. And the truth is, that has shaped my life ever since. Sometimes when I'm discouraged, I just I go back to those words, and it's, it's life in me. Some of us have been discouraged and had someone come alongside of us and speak words of hope and encouragement in our lives, and it is life-giving. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And and, and just like so many of us in the room have experienced words of life, there are those of us in this room that would hear that old poem, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And we would say, that's not been my experience. That's a lie from the pit of hell, to be honest with you. Because the truth is, I've had people in my life... uh, that have discouraged me with their words. There there were bullies in my life that that said some things to me, and and honestly, if I think about it, I mean, it was years ago, but it honestly has been the source of my self-doubt ever since. There's probably somebody listening to my words today that would say, hey, when my spouse walked out, that was bad enough, but the hurtful words that were said in that season haunt my dreams to this day there are those of us who would say you know what i found out what my friends my friends were saying about me behind my back and that gossip has honestly shaped me in such a way i don't know that i can trust anybody ever since that time and the crazy thing is that some of us could talk about words of life and words of death that were spoken this morning on the way to church some of us could be thinking about words that were spoken last week or a month ago but there are those of us in this room that the most poignant words in our life were spoken decades ago and those words are still shaping our lives We've been in a series looking at the book of James. Now, Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. James has some things to say about our tongue as well. I'm in chapter 3, verse 2. It says this, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal horse thousand pound animal and you know if you've ever done any horseback riding there are some horses that all you need to do is just sort of lay the reins in a certain direction or apply a little bit of pressure but because of that bit in their mouth you can direct a thousand pound animal with this small little bit goes on or take ships as an example Although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue, it's a small part of the body, but man, it makes some great 
boasts. The Staten Island Ferry in New York, it's 310 feet long. It's uh, the size of a football field. The rudder that directs that football field ferry is about four feet long. It's just a little bit, but man, does it determine the direction of so much, the power of our words. But James isn't done. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. The Jasper Fire is the largest fire in in the Black Hills National Forest that's ever happened. It happened back in August 2000, 83,508 acres of prime forest land. Uh, the, the lady that started the fire, Janice Stevenson, she got 35 years in prison. She didn't do it on purpose. She was lighting a cigarette with a match, thought it was out, threw it, and next thing you know, scorched earth. Just a little bit of carelessness led to such destruction. And the truth is that for some of us, we're careless with our words. We flick those words out there, and next thing you know, it triggers a response in somebody, and they fire back at us, and then we retaliate with them, and next thing you know, the relationship is scorched earth, the power of our words. Verse 7 says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison or another word there would be venom makes me think of a snake that gets its fangs into you into your life and then that that venom seeps out infects the whole body in fact you can't even say the words gossip or slander or criticism without hissing like a snake. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He says it's not just a relational issue, it's also a deeply spiritual issue. How do you come into a place like this and with your words praise the creator of the universe and then walk out of here and curse human beings? Gossip, criticism. Slander, lies, grumbling. Um, Proverbs talks about the power of our words. James talks about the power of our words. Paul, in Ephesians 4.29, he says this. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, you look at that word, and honestly, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It's almost like a grandma word, right? So, oh, it's so unwholesome, you know, that kind of a thing. But the truth is, the Greek word there is sepo. It's where we get the word septic from. 
Paul's imagery here, just think of the waste that can leak out of a septic tank. Paul's saying, don't let septic words flow from your mouth. It's gross. Those words are gross. What are, what are some of the septic ways that people use their words? How about gossip? Have you ever been hurt by finding out what people have been saying about you? The Bible talks a lot about gossip. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. That relationships can be destroyed by gossip. Maybe you've experienced the the pain of that. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. There's just no fuel for it anymore. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. In other words, gossip often will feed frustration. It will feed quarrels. We'd have less fights without gossip. Let's do this. Um, Turn to the person that you're you're with. You're online or at another campus. Just go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and tell them your favorite chocolate bar. Like your favorite candy chocolate bar. I'm going to give you five seconds. Ready, set, go. All right. All right. Good. And you went back and forth. How many of our Reese's people, my Reese's people, Yes, I love it. How many of you are Snickers people? Okay. All right. Butterfinger people? Anybody? Okay. I see you. I see you. (laughs) How many Almond Joy people? Really? You monsters, I tell you. (laughs) I think we could split the church over who likes Almond Joy. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it, it works with any favorite candy bar. Proverbs 18.8 says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down in your inmost parts. And isn't that true? Like when you're at work around the water cooler and somebody goes, hey, 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 have you, have you heard about what happened with so-and-so? Don't you almost start like salivating? Tell me, I want, yep, mm-hmm, I want to ingest that gossip, right? There's something about that. Like, gossip used to be choice more so. Gossip used to be a sin. We've made it into a multi-billion dollar industry. Have you noticed? We've got gossip columns. We have gossip news programs, like a TMZ or that sort of thing. You have gossip magazines that you can, you can figure out anytime what's happening with Britney or J-Lo or Ben or... Those kinds of things. I mean, it used to be a sin. Now, it's, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And hey, where do they put, where do they sell the gossip magazines in the grocery store? Right by the choice morsel candy bars, right? <laughs> the Bible is genius. You know, it, gossip hurts people. Years ago, um, I was a big fan of Tommy Hilfiger clothes. Anybody else? Back, turn to somebody under 40 and just say, I'll explain after church, okay? <laughs> but like years ago, I would be like popping the collar of my Tommy Hilfiger. I would be, you know, I'd have my Dracar Noir uh, 
going and heading over to the skating rink or whatever. And do you know that Tommy Hilfiger was like on top of the world. The stock prices were soaring. Everybody wanted those clothes until someone started a rumor that said that he was on the Oprah show, turned to somebody 40 and said, I'll explain that to you as well. <laughs> he was on the Oprah show and that he made some racist comments. And then after that, nobody wanted those clothes. The stock prices went crashing down. He had to end up, ended up, he had to go onto the Oprah show to say what he did not say on the Oprah show. It was totally fabricated. But like thousands, millions of dollars it cost the company and stockholders and all because of gossip, all because of a rumor. Gossip hurts people. Instead, why don't we get rid of gossip and turn it into a good word? Can we do that? Let's get rid of gossip and turn it into a good word. If you want to talk about people, turn your gossip into a good word. It was after a service a few weeks ago, and somebody came up to talk to me. They had tears in their eyes, and their words, their first words out of their mouth was, I need to talk to you about your son. Now, father of the year, I immediately think, what did that knucklehead do now? Right? And this guy with tears in his eyes says, your son is my kid's small group leader, and he's changing lives in that small group. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. And I'm just like weeping, like, oh, goodness, you know? But what does that do when we say something nice about someone else, when we encourage someone else? What if we went to the water cooler at work like on a break, we were just like, we couldn't wait. And we start salivating over, hey man, let me tell you the way that you're killing it at work. Let me tell you where I see your strengths. Let me tell you what I think you're doing well. Like the encouragement and the attitude, it would just go up in our world. So let me ask you right now, who is it that God might be calling you to encourage? To say a good word about and can I just challenge you figure out this week how you'll make it happen it could be a text message right after the service it could be a, a note of thanks it could be a phone call but would you do that this week don't sit in church and go wow what a that's a nice thought and then walk out this whole series I love the tagline let's not talk about it let's be about it so who is it that you could encourage what are those other septic ways, septic ways that we use our words? Ephesians said, says, no unwholesome septic talk, but that which builds up. A few weeks ago, I talked about the difference between two hammers. You have a sledgehammer and you have a carpenter's hammer. A sledgehammer tears down. A carpenter's hammer will build up. When it comes to criticism and critique, there is criticism that tears down and there is criticism that builds up. You need to know the difference. Figure out the difference between uh, a constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Constructive criticism is when I criticize you. Destructive criticism is when you criticize me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But isn't that how we kind of walk around in life? Oh. 
In fact, Albert, I love last week, Albert, he said, if you haven't offended, uh, if he offended you, to, remember what he said, send the email to Dave Dummett at Willow Creek. It actually works really well because his talk was so good. As those critique emails have come in, I just put a link to Albert's talk. And I say, watch this over and over until you don't feel the need to send me an email anymore. I think it's been a brilliant, no, no. You need to be able to express concerns at church. In fact, I've made a hotline for that. This right here is Albert Tate. And guess what? You know, call him anytime, day or night. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, let's do this. Let's replace destructive criticism with constructive or, or with coaching. Because coaching or constructive criticism, super valuable. That's why we pay the golf pros so much to critique our swing. That's why we pay the piano teachers so much to tell us what can we do better. It's why um, when I came on staff here, I want you to know that someone quoted me uh, to be a leadership coach in my life, which I need. I have one. But not this person. <laughs> this person said, to be your leadership coach, I will charge you $100,000 a year. Can you believe that? And I share that with you. That's, we're not going to use the church's money that way. I probably could use $200,000 worth of coaching. But I share that with you because that's what that person gets to be a coach. That's how valuable people have seen their coaching to be. There's a, a 900 employee business called National Association of Suggestion Systems. Do you ever wonder what happens to the comment cards that you put in like suggestion boxes? These people will process those for businesses. They had a 900 person business. They brought in 1.3 million suggestions a year. They, uh, they determined that about 75% of the suggestions were destructive or they couldn't really do much with them but 25 percent of those they could help companies and so they would bring the company's suggestions and the, the suggestions they would critique and get better as a company and the companies reported a 1.25 billion dollar increase directly as a result to people's constructive criticism i'm telling you crucial conversations constructive criticism is so valuable and so we pray Dear God, where are the places that I've been careless with my criticism? Where I've, I've let it out and it is torn down. And then God, where are the places that you've actually called me to speak up, but I've been afraid to, to have that crucial conversation where you've given me an insight that could be super valuable to someone. And if I bring it with the right heart and the right spirit, oh God. Oh God, show me how I can build others up. And then finally, I would just share with you some septic ways that we use our words. Complaining. Just complaining. Parents of teenagers, you're going to want this one. Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining and arguing you ever been around someone who's complaining all the time 
Have you ever stayed around anybody who's complaining all the time? Probably not. Complaining can be this contagious negative attitude. In fact, there's a great story in, uh, in, 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 in Scripture, in Numbers, where the Israelites are getting ready after they've been through so many amazing things where they've watched God come through in amazing ways. They're about to enter into the promised land, and they send out 12 spies. Remember this story? And then 10 of those spies come back, and they just start complaining about how hard it's going to be. Their negative attitude. We can't do it. We can't take that land. And those 10... It says they began to, uh, that others began to take on that same complaining attitude. And you think, well, that's okay. It's just kind of a negative complaining attitude. But what begins to happen is God says that's the very reason that you will wander in the desert for 40 years. Those people never experienced the promised land because 10 people came back, started complaining, and then it got contagious with everyone else. So I would say let's replace our complaining our grumbling with gratitude can I encourage you with that I I start every meeting by saying hey where are we winning tell me what you're thankful for tell me how you're thankful how God is moving I start every day with five things in my journal that I that I'm grateful for it helps me re reframe the day it helps me start with the right mindset what are you grateful for Will Bowen's a pastor of a church in Kansas City, and he printed up little purple bracelets that say complaint-free zone. Handed them to the people, or offered them to the people in his church, and he said, here, what if we did this? What if we put these bracelets on our wrist, and then let's see if we can go 21 straight days without septic words coming out of our mouth. And, and, and here's what we'll do. If, if we slip up, We'll just, change, we'll just change wrists. We'll just switch wrists. And if you catch somebody, you'll be like, oh, oh, oh. And they'd have to switch theirs. And so they did this as a church. And do you know the, the local paper found out about it? And then People Magazine found out about it. And then he was on the talk shows. This thing took off and hundreds of thousands of people across the country ordered these purple bracelets. No compl complaint-free zone. And Will Bowen said, you know what, it took me three and a half months to get 21 days straight where I didn't have to switch the bracelet. He said, I, I determined that I, I believe about 20 times a day we let septic words come out of our mouth. And he ends the article by saying, because hundreds of thousands of people have taken on this little challenge, he said, I think it's a lot less ear pollution and I thought that's pretty clever and so I would just encourage you to grab a rubber band maybe you've got one with you maybe you get one on the way home but just grab a rubber band and put it on your wrist let's not just talk about it let's be about it let's put something on our wrist and let's go 21 days let's see if we can go 21 days without septic words coming out of our mouths the band's going to come in just a second. We're going to sing one last song. And then uh, campus pastors are going to come at all locations and give you some next steps uh, the, for you to take. Next steps with God, next steps with our church. But as I close, here's the thing. We've been talking a lot about the, the negative words we say about other people or the words we say about 
other people. How many of you know that some of the most powerful words that we say are the words we say about ourselves? And that some of you heard those words early on in your life about who you were or who you weren't from the bullies, from the coaches, from the... And you took those words and you internalized them and you've been believing those words ever since. I've got a friend that sometimes I'll get down and I'll say something kind of self-deprecating. They'll say, hey, don't let yourself hear yourself say that. Your self-talk is powerful. And I just want to encourage you, don't believe the voices from your past. Believe what God says about you. And so what I want to do as we close is I I just want to let those words begin to really direct our lives. Those words have uh, the power of life and death. I want those words, the words that God says about us, to direct our lives. And I just want to invite you. We're going to give you a gift of time. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. You can go ahead. And I'm just going to read some words based on scriptures. And all you need to do is just at the end of each one, just to yourself, would you claim them as true for you? I am strong and mighty. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling inside of me. I'm a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. Ephesians 1.18, 2 Corinthians 6.7. I am not my past. I'm not what I did. I am who God says I am, and he says I am forgiven. He says I am redeemed. He says I am free from addiction and anything else that would tear me down. Ephesians 1.7, Galatians 5.1. I am not a hostage to unhealthy thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.4. I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts. I have the word of God guiding my steps. Psalm 119, 105. Worry is not my master. I trust in God. His peace guards my heart, guards my mind, and guards my soul in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Hebrews 13, 6. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Not death, not demons, not the present nor the past. No power on earth will ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Romans 8, 38. I am not what I have or buy. My identity is in Christ, not my achievements, the Christ alone. Romans 8, 1. By God's power, I can change. I don't have to say the same. 6 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. My confidence is in Christ. Because his spirit lives within me, 
I can do everything he calls me to do. Ephesians 3.12, Philippians 4.13. Amen.